G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I started to see that, you know, I was different, but I knew that there were other people out there that were different too, and I knew that I wasn't the only one. So I saw no one was being a voice for those people. No one was out there. No one was talking to kids like me saying, hey, this is who you are, and Mm -hmm. that's okay. And I realised that no one else was doing it, so maybe it was my job to do it. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Chloe Hayden and her mother, Sarah. Chloe's a young woman with Asperger syndrome who's also an advocate for young people diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, or ASD. Her mother, Sarah, joins us once again via the telephone from her office in Geelong, where she's a social worker specialising in autism. When we ended last time, Chloe had just entered her teens and was struggling trying to fit in at school and just knew that there was something different about herself. Meanwhile, as a parent, Sarah didn't really know what was going on and was a bit confused as to what was happening with her child. Now, we'll hear what happened next as Chloe and Sarah continue their conversation with Eric Scatterbo. Chloe... Boy, you were just very, very sad. You were mm-hmm. contemplating life. You know, what was it all about? You didn't know whether you wanted to have ever been born. Is that what you said? Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. So, I think it was probably when I was 12, 13. Start of year seven is when it really started getting bad. I mean, I've known my entire life that I was different. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a name for it. I just knew I was different. And yeah. I knew that other kids didn't like different. Um, kids want people that fit in. Kids want people that are like them. And I wasn't like that. And, you know, when you have no friends, no... Uh, nothing to call your own that's you know i think anyone would kind of you know get into that same situation as you know what's the point why am i here why you know what sort of world is this and i went through a lot of bullying and that was kind of i guess the main thing that that really ticked it over and like mum said i went to three different schools um one of them was a private school one of them was a public school one of them was an agricultural farm school so you could not get much further different than the three of them yeah um and that same problem persisted at every single one of those schools i was so severely bullied to the point where i would make myself throw up in the mornings just so i had an excuse to stay home or if that didn't work then i would hide in the bathrooms from literally nine o'clock in the morning till three thirty in the afternoon and i wouldn't show up to any of the classes because i was so scared of not just the students but also the teachers um, they were both the teachers. Yeah, too. the teachers. Oh, at, in some points, the teachers were worse than the students. I guess because for other people your own age, you can kind of get into the mentality that like, oh, well, they're also kids. They don't really know what they're talking about. But as a kid, especially as a kid that's struggling, the adults are the people that you look up to. Yeah, right. Yeah, like the adults are the ones that, especially teachers, when you haven't got your mum and dad there, the teachers are the ones that are meant to look after you and protect you. Yeah. And at a lot of times, the teachers would be the ones that would be the ones calling me names, or would be the ones that. Is that were, right? Mm-hmm, or they would be. They would leave me out, or if I didn't understand something they would be it doesn't matter you know we have 20 other students here one student doesn't matter Mm. um which is a mentality that a lot of people have which Mm. is kind of sucky it's not meant to happen yeah and sarah as a parent uh you must have been very very frustrated also chloe had health problems as well is that right 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was around about sort of year seven when I guess everything just fell to pieces. And um, at first we thought it was the school we'd chosen. So we pulled her out, tried it with another school. Mm. A couple of months later, the same thing happened there. So we thought, mm, must be the school again, pulled her out again. And third time, same thing happened no matter where she went. So it was around that time that, yeah, things just went from bad to worse. Chloe's mental health was rapidly declining. She'd gone from, you know, a quirky, happy little kid who really, as I said earlier, didn't care about whether you were engaged in her and sharing her facts and whether she brushed her hair or whether she fit in with the crowd. And all of a sudden in year seven, you know, there's such pressure, especially for girls, to fit in with the it crowd yeah. and, and know the latest bands and wear the latest, you know, fashion. And Chloe just wasn't interested in any of that. And it was becoming more and more obvious that she was vastly different to these other girls. And unlike when she was little and she didn't really care about not fitting in, all of a sudden she desperately wanted to fit in but just had absolutely no idea how to do that. And I think... You know, her life really at school was becoming a living hell. Every single mm. day she was bullied about her looks, about her interests, about her lack of um, a lack of social skills. And it just didn't seem to matter where we put her into school. Things just got worse and worse. She started starving herself. So she was on the, on the path to anorexia. She was, you know, permanently depressed. Her mental health was really bad. She wasn't getting mm. enjoyment from the things that she used to get enjoyment from. And she was starting to identify, you know, constantly that she was different, that she was, you know, she referred to herself as an alien and a weirdo and started regurgitating some of the things that the kids at school were saying to her. And this was becoming, you know, constant. It was it was a real concern for myself and my husband that, you know, here was this beautiful girl of ours that we could see all these amazing qualities and, yeah. you know, we knew that she was a child of God and that she was created in his image and that she was exactly how she was meant to be, but she couldn't see that. And obviously none of the people around her were able to see it either. And I guess it's probably a good time to, um, yeah, to put in that that was about that time that I actually got a teacher from the third school that we went to who said to me one day, um, I was down at the school dealing with yet another bullying incident that she was victim of and, you know, this teacher pulled me aside and said, come and have a look in Lost Property and you'll notice that every single thing in Lost Property belongs to your daughter and come and have a look at the quality of her work and desk compared to all of the other kids. You know, she was messy, she was chaotic, she was disorganised. She would come home without her school shoes. Do not ask me how that happens that you can get a child come home without their school shoes. <laughs> yeah. But even things like her school shoes would be in Lost Property and I, I sort of looked at this man, you know, a little bit confused and I said you know, I understand that she's having problems. And he said, no, do you not think that there might be something more going on? And I said, you know, I was quite offended and sort of thought that he was insinuating that I wasn't a good parent, which I thought that I was an exceptional parent. And so I was, you know, I was a little bit confused. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. And he actually said to me, you know, I think there's something more going on. I think my suggestion, if it was my child, would be to take her to a educational or developmental psychologist and get her assessed. And I said to him, get her assessed for what? And he just said, oh, just, you know, I think just go along and find out what they think. And, of course, I found out later that he had picked up that she had Asperger's or autism immediately. Oh, okay. He, he, he told me later that he had a girl in a class the year before who was identical to Chloe and he'd picked it up immediately and was gobsmacked to have a look at her file and see that she had no diagnosis and so I, I have since found out the teachers aren't supposed to you know tell parents this kind of stuff but he obviously felt you know felt that it was important and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very thankful that he did because yeah. while it shocked and upset me I sort of went home to my husband that night and I said this teacher said that we should get her to a psychologist which I was quite willing to do because at that stage she was starting to not eat and she was you know obviously very miserable so I was thinking well obviously something's going on we need to get her you know to see a mental health professional just to even deal with that so you know that's where our journey to getting an autism diagnosis started. Okay Chloe 
what happened? You went in, you talked to somebody, had some tests? Mm -hmm. So the test itself, I don't remember exactly what the test was, but I just know that it went for a long time and there was a lot of different like IQ tests and like memory tests and puzzles and like she would ask me questions or make me like act out scenarios and stuff. And at this stage, like I didn't go in going, oh, I'm going in for an autism diagnosis because I'd never heard that word before. Yeah. Um, I just went in, did the things that the lady said, and we walked back out, and mum was carrying this really thick book, and it had the word Asperger's across the front of it, and I didn't know what that was, and I thought it said asparagus, and I was like, <laughs> what's going on? And I, I didn't know what it was, but we got into the car. I have asparagus. Literally, I went in, I was like, well, I don't know what's going on, but my mum's holding a book with the word vegetable on it, and she's crying, so I don't know what's going on, oh, but it's probably wow. not very good. Because yeah. um, like, when you're a kid, like if you're, you know if your parents are crying, the whole world is in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Even yeah. now, if my mum or my dad are crying, I'm like, that's it. We're all dying. Like, the world's over. Because <laughs> that's the way, like, as a kid, that's the way your brain works. Like, you, you know, your yeah. parents are the strong ones. Your parents are the ones that are mentally. Yeah, exactly. And if they're crying yeah. over something to do with you, oh. you're the one that's making the world end. Mm. So, so you thought it was your fault? I thought it was my fault. Oh. I didn't know what was going on. We just sat in the car and mum sat in the car park for a really long time. And she didn't speak to me and I didn't speak to her. I just sat there going, oh, that's it. We're all going to die. Um, and she... <laughs> And um, she was just holding this big book and she was crying, like silent, like silent crying. And I was like, well, that's even worse than like, you know, big wait, 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 crying. Wait, wait, can, can we swing over to Sarah? What, what was going on for you at that moment? So, yeah, Chloe's with her. Uh, unfortunately and regretfully, Eric, her recollection is quite correct. <laughs> I think, um, you know, we'd had, we'd had such a, a hellish few months, really. And um, we had, on, um, on the advice of the school, gone to a particular very well-known, you know, exceptional psychologist who mm-hmm. specializes in developmental disorders and autism and things like that and our initial appointment was quite a long one because she was aware that we were going through some pretty major things and that you know our little girl was in a very bad way and so you know the initial appointment it's for anyone who has had an autism diagnosis knows that it's a long lengthy you know usually months of testing so that was just our first initial appointment which was mainly really about getting the full developmental history and and you know as I say now ticking off all those boxes and mm-hmm. the, you know looking back over the history and then and just doing some brief testing with Chloe and I mean she looked at me at the end and she said to me I I already know what the diagnosis is but obviously we need to do a formal assessment and I said oh okay what you know what's a diagnosis and she turned around and back then she said you know Asperger's and I said uh, asparagus like what, <laughs> what 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 is this and um, she explained to me you know briefly what it was and I just sort of I was dumbfounded I said I've, I've never even heard of it I think that was the first time I'd actually ever heard that word and she oh, said look okay. I'll give you this I'll give you this book it's you know it was like the bible of Asperger's kind of book it was yeah. like the A to Z of everything and, and she said you know take this home I'll see you next week and we'll start the formal assessment but I can already tell you now that I know that that's what you know what it's going to be I have no doubt at all and um so, you know, of course, I'm, a, you know, a mum who's just been told that my child has got, you know, this thing that I've never heard of. So I wasn't sure. Was it something to be fearful of? What what was life going to look like for yeah. her if I, you know, have I just received a diagnosis that means that my child is never going to become the child that I thought that she was going to be? And, of course, all of these things are going on, you know, in my mind. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there with yeah. a child beside me who was already in a really bad mental state and me sitting there, you know, having a total panic attack because my kid's just been potentially diagnosed with something that I've never heard of. So yeah. it was, um, yeah, it probably wasn't my finest <laughs> parenting moment of but very understandable you know, i mean any parent in your situation can identify with what you're going through yeah yeah i think it was the fear of the unknown at that mm-hmm. stage yeah. i i you know and thankfully i've been able to uh, turn that around and use it now 
for me, you know, professionally to look back and go, if I could tell myself and Chloe something in that moment, it would be that nothing had actually changed. Mm-hmm. We, you know, she was still the same Chloe and we were just getting a name for what she'd always been. And, mm-hmm. you know, that night I, uh, we drove home. We were an hour from home because we had to drive to Warrnambool, which was an hour away from our home to start the assessment process. And I think we drove home sort of in silence with Chloe miserable and me miserable and wondering, you know, what on earth. But I went to bed that night and I can remember I laid awake for hours and hours and I literally read cover to cover of this book. And I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, how did I not know about this? And, of course, then I'm... Googling everything in it, and I'm just thinking, wow, like <laughs> I, I knew 100% that day that that is exactly what she had. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Chloe Hayden and her mother, Sarah. As we've been hearing, Chloe was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome when she was a teenager. Next, we'll hear how Chloe has gone on to become an advocate for young people diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, or ASD. All that and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Once again, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Chloe Hayden, who's being diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Also joining us via the telephone from her office in Geelong is Chloe's mother, Sarah, who's a social worker specialising in autism. Before the break, we heard how Chloe was finally diagnosed, and now we're going to find out about the impact that had on her life. After we got that diagnosis, it was like, it was like relief and it was like, oh, now we understand and now it all makes sense. And, you know, you do these things because of this. This doesn't, you know, this isn't going to make you a different person. You've always been this person mm-hmm. and, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think after getting that diagnosis, it was more like we understood better and we understood me better and that was able to help mum help me better and understand how I saw the world, which kind of helped everyone, I guess. Yeah, I'm just wondering for you, like, oh, okay, of course I'm different because I am different. Mm-hmm. And so, did it just bring you a lot of yeah, relief well, it was to like, know that? It was, I mean, it's a label, but I yeah. like labeling things. I'm autistic. We like putting labels <laughs> on things. But, so it was like, I know I'm not a different person than I was before this, but mm-hmm. now I know why I'm different. Yeah. So, And it's understandable. And it's un- Yeah. And it's like, well, now that I know I'm different, it's not so scary because I know that my difference is not so different that it actually has a name to it. So I know that there's mm-hmm. more people out there mm-hmm. who yeah. feel like they came from an alien planet too which kind of makes you feel like you're not different because there's a whole group of other people that understand you. I love your alien analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you're into analogies and metaphors, but... (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I hate metaphors, but I use them all the time. So, Sarah, what happened next for you? Um, So, I guess, Eric, in a nutshell, we had our subsequent um, appointments, and yes, Chloe did get diagnosed very quickly with autism, with Asperger's. Um, Her mental health was still you know, really bad. She was um, still struggling with eating. She was depressed. She was anxious. She was unwilling to leave the home. Um, She was very attached to me more so than she was as a toddler, would not go anywhere without me. And we were sitting in the psych appointment one day and, you know, I was was relaying all of this to the psychologist and she just looked at me and she said, well, you need to pull her out of school. 
school. And I said, I'm not a homeschooling mum. I can't pull her out of school. And she said, well, you've got two choices. She said, I, I think you either pull her out of school right now or potentially you're going to lose her. And for me, that was just this big wake-up call of, okay, my life is not exactly as I imagined it was going to be, but this is what I have to do. And right now, the only thing that matters in the world is, is keeping my daughter alive and her mental health. And if that means pulling her out of school, then that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I went home and told my husband and he said, right, I'll go and pick up her stuff. And he drove the hour to her school that she was currently at, walked in, told them that she wouldn't be back and said, can I collect her stuff? So we didn't even, Chloe didn't even go back to the school. And, you know, I said mm-hmm. to her, do you want to go back and say goodbye to your friends? And she said, mum, I don't have any friends. What I've got friends? nothing to say goodbye mm-hmm. to. Wow. And that was it. So that was the end of that chapter. Honestly, I can say that that's the day that Chloe's life started. Yeah, that wasn't even the end of a chapter. That was the start of a new book. It was quite amazing. The minute we pulled her out of that school and that negative environment and that bullying and that, you know, that environment that she just was dying in, she literally just flourished overnight. She woke up the next day and she was full of happiness and energy and vitality. It was like this dark cloud had just been lifted, you know, and very quickly we enrolled her into distance education and, um, you know, we had people all around us saying, where's she going to get her social skills from? And all of a sudden she was, she had the energy and the desire to be reconnecting with youth groups. And, and pony club and, and drama club and all of these other things that she'd always wanted to do but was just so miserable and exhausted from her days battling school. Um, wow. And, you know, it, it was like she literally just flourished overnight. So that was the turning point. That was the turning point. Taking her out of school mm-hmm. and then flourishing, getting to be yourself from sure. that point forward. Unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, but Chloe, can you take us to that new beginning for you to the point where you are today, where you are not only flourishing, but you're helping other people <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, so after I got put out of school, I guess when you're in an environment that's so negative for so long, mm. you start to forget who you actually are. Mm. And when I got put out of school and when I started to see what I could become, I started to find out who I actually was again. For real, Because for a long time, I, I didn't have my own person. I was trying to meet other people because the person I was, I didn't want to be. Um, so I started um, doing acting classes and singing classes and surfing and horse riding. Oh, and wow. I started, yeah, like I started. Enjoying life? I was enjoying life for the mm. first time, like ever, probably. Mm. And for a long time I was happy with just where I was and then I still had these moments of like I'm different and like what's the point and stuff and like it was a lot less mm. but it was still there mm. when I was 18 so it wasn't like you just snapped your fingers and everything was fine oh no no no, no. That, that's the thing it's yeah. like life isn't a linear line like mm. there's gonna be ups and downs mm. and that's what makes life so beautiful and I've always said that and like I still have really low days and I still have really high days and there's days that are in between that's you know some moments are bad some moments are good that's what life is but when I was 18, I had just finished school and I was like, all right, now what? Because um, I was like, well, you know, everything's changing. I'm not in school anymore. I have to do something. And I started to see that, you know, I was different, but I knew that there were other people out there that were different too. And I knew that I wasn't the only one. So I saw no one was being a voice for those people. No one was out there. No one was talking to kids like me saying, hey, this is who you are and mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. And I realized that no one else was doing it. So maybe it was my job to do it. And I wrote... Wow, that's quite a difference from, from not like, even oh, knowing I'm, why am I here totally. to, to I'm going to be well, well, someone who's going to really help Well, the thing people. is, I didn't have anyone growing up. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I obviously have my parents and stuff, but like they're like yeah. mentally programmed to love you. So like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they had no choice. They got to love Exactly. <laughs> but like, I didn't, there was no one out there who was like, hey, this is who you are. This is what your diagnosis means. I'm in your corner. Means. 
and that's okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, I don't want other kids to be going through what I went through because I was so blessed to have a family that loved me. So mm. I had that support group. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. And mm. a lot of people could have severely hurt themselves or ended everything mm. just because they didn't have someone who understand. And that's like yeah. a big thing. And I'm like, well, I have the opportunity to make a difference. So I'm going to. And it started off with me writing a blog post. And the first blog post I ever wrote was when Robin Williams died because he was my favorite person in the world. I related to him so much. And my, I just posted it on my, just my personal Facebook page. And one of my psychologist friends saw it and was like, do you mind if I post this on my website? And I was like, oh, yeah, if you want, whatever. And that went viral. And she's like, can wow. you make more but talking about your own life? And I was like, oh, if you want. So I wrote a few for her and then people started to really like them. They liked seeing the inside personal details of someone's life that's not, you know, glorified and it's not like here's all the pretty, you know, nice moments. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's what life is like. So the good, like, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, and saying. here's what autism is like and here's mm-hmm. how someone who sees the world differently is like. So I did that and then I started doing it on my own post and that's when I created this persona of Princess Aspian and writing my own blog post and stuff and I started getting a following and a mum messaged me saying, hey, I really like the first blog post you made. I made a blog post called This Is Me and it was basically about Asperger's and about myself and about my journey growing up and she's like, my son needs to see this but he doesn't read. Could you put this in a video form? And I was mm. like, yeah, I can do that. So I filmed it. I just filmed me myself saying the scripts that I had written and I put it on a private link for her and I sent it through to her and she said, could you put this public so I can share it to my friends? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And then soon enough, this video had 20,000 views too and I was wow. like, oh, that's okay. Maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah. So I did that one and then I just made more and I realized that the more people, the more that I let myself out, the more people started to show themselves as well and I was mm. like, hey, I'm not that different. There's a lot of us out there that are like this. Mm. And then, yeah, one thing led to another and like now this is what I do every day of my life and showing people that, you know, different doesn't mean less and yes, I'm different and yes, the world is a scary place sometimes and yes, there's a lot of things that I don't understand and yes, some mornings I still wake up going, I feel like an alien and I don't know what I'm doing here but that's okay because mm. we're all in this together and we're all on this journey and at the end of the day, every single one of us are different. Yeah, and that is your phrase, your catchphrase. Different, not less. Different, not mm-hmm. less. Yeah, and I use that on an autism basis, but mm-hmm. I also use it as an overall basis. Um, on the grand scheme of things, we are all different. Like some people struggle with reading and writing or mm-hmm. struggle with math or some people don't have mums or dads or some people hate their jobs or some people have another disability. Some people are autistic. We're all different and that's what makes the world so beautiful. Mm-hmm. If we're all yep. the same, the world would be boring and bland and colourless mm-hmm. and anyone who's seen me can probably tell I really don't like the idea of a colourless world. It just doesn't <laughs> sound right. Like the w- Well, you're sitting in front of me here. You have... <laughs> Flowers, red and yellow flowers in your hair, a multicolored skirt. Uh, <laughs> sparkles. The sparkles. A lot. <laughs> uh, things that were jingling and jangling, that were making noises that we had you not wear because that might interrupt the interview. So you you like color and you like I like. Well, the thing is. Colorful. I, yeah. Well, I, I used to say like, you know, the world can't thrive without different. But mm. really, the world can't work without different. Mm. If we were all the same, if we all had the same jobs and the same interests and the same hobbies, it wouldn't work. We mm. need different for the world to work and we need different for the world to, for us to have a future. And Chloe, tell us about your faith life going through all this. So I had been Christian, obviously, throughout my entire teenage life, but mm. it always kind of just been there. It hadn't meant necessarily been like a strong part of my life. Like I'd go to church every Sunday, we'd go to the conferences and it would be fun and great and I would, you know, feel God. But when I was finishing year 12, I was starting to really question myself and my faith and what was going on because everything was changing. And then dad suggested going to Bible college. And I was like, I've never thought about doing that before. I said I didn't want to go back to school. I was like, I finished 12, that's it. Never go into a classroom again. 
But dad's suggesting, he's like, just think about it. And I was going to sleep one night and I just heard the most prominent voice saying, give me the first year of your life and I'll bless the rest of yours. Hmm. And uh, I was like, well, okay. And this was like, this was a big thing for me because I hadn't been inside of a school building for like four or five years, like a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified of people my own age. And like uni is a whole kettle of fish, just different kettle of fish to school. And I did it and I went and... Like it was, it's been so true ever since. So, yeah, like I, God said, give me the first year of your life and I'll bless the rest of yours. And it like, came true. So, yeah. so was it a good experience for you? Some of it. <laughs> I mean, it was school. It was, I liked, I liked the lessons and I liked the teaching and like I learned how to like do sermons and like talk on stage and I got to like be part of the praise and uh, worship ministry and everything. And it was like, that was all brilliant. But at the end of the day, it was still school mm, and school yeah. is still hard. But the experience itself was brilliant and I do not regret it for a second. Like everything has been so true that, you know, he said so. And he has blessed her abundantly over and over since then. So it's mm-hmm. absolutely come to pass. Absolutely. Yeah. So the experience going to Bible school helped you grow it spiritually? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said beforehand, I was just kind of like, Dad would call it like a fair weather Christian. Like I believed in God, but like it was kind of like, oh, like he's just like he's mm-hmm. taken a back seat. Going to Bible college and kind of being almost like forced to put him at the forefront all mm-hmm. the time. Yep. Once I was forced to do it, it was easier to do. That sounds like a bad way of saying it. But like once it was like there and once it was prominent and once I was thinking about it and listening about it and learning about it and mm-hmm. reading the Bible every single day. I was like, oh, this, it all kind of makes a lot more sense now. Mm. And I, you know, I should really start trusting this guy more because he seems like he knows what he's doing a lot more than I do. <laughs> the big guy. You're the big guy. You're the talking big about guy. God, right? Uh-huh, no, not the teachers, <laughs> the big guy. Um, and I was like, well, he kind of, you know, he seems like he knows what he's doing. So I was like, well, I'm going to put my trust in him more. And like once I did and once I did put my trust in him, like the journey since then has mm. been something that I never believed I would have had the opportunity to have any of this. So, yeah, put your faith in God because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but Sarah, we'll have you give the last word. You know, there's a couple of Bible verses that I've really hung on to. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 139, I think I mentioned earlier, for you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I knew that, you know, Chloe, just like myself, just like you, just like everybody, no matter what the diagnosis is that none of us are an accident, we are all created in his image and mm-hmm. we are exactly the people that we're meant to be. And, you know, I think a quote that I'd love to finish on is one of my favorites from Einstein. And he says that everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Mm. And, you know, I just love that because I think, you know, we all have our own strengths, as Chloe said. We all have our own strengths. We all have our own weaknesses. And we shouldn't be comparing our own to the person next to us. If we can focus on what we're good at, then, you know, we'll thrive exactly how we were meant to. Mm-hmm. Chloe and Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. That was the conclusion of Eric Scadabo's chat with Chloe Hayden and her mother, Sarah. Sarah joined us via the telephone from her office in Geelong, where she's a social worker specialising in autism. Chloe's a guest speaker at many schools and events across Australia as an advocate for young people diagnosed with Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. As we've heard, Chloe's been diagnosed with Asperger Syndrome, a term that she likes to shorten to simply Aspie. This explains the name of her website, Princess Aspian. So to find out more about Chloe and the many wonderful activities she's up to, you can go to her website, princessaspian.com. That's princessaspian.com. Well, finally, I just want to stress that it's vitally important that we remember the life lesson that Chloe shares with everyone she meets, and that is different doesn't mean less, or simply 
different, not less. God values all of us the same and has sent his son Jesus to die for each and every one of us because we are all precious in his sight. Well, thanks again for joining us for Chloe's story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When people come with their different grievances and and situations, it's just such an honour that uh, God has put me in that place to be able to help these people and to help to settle them and uh, give them something to cling on to and something to hope for. Wayne Stevenson and Tony McDermott both serve the Lord at their workplaces. Wayne is a bus driver and Tony operates a crane at construction sites. How have they integrated their faith into their place of work? We'll find out as they both share their stories next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.